Data breach trends. How often are organizations falling victim to ransomware and phishing attacks? And exchange server bug puts email accounts at risk. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hi, I'm Anna Delaney. The cybersecurity facts of life today inevitably seem to include ransomware and phishing. But how often are organizations falling victim? Well, to tell us more, I'm joined by Matthew Schwartz, Executive Editor. Good to see you, Matt. You too, Anna. So, Matt, I understand you've been keeping an eye on British data breach trends. Yes, the Information Commissioner's Office produces a quarterly roundup of all of the breach reports that it has received from organizations in Britain. So as you're well aware, since GDPR, the EU's General Data Protection Regulation, with which the UK still complies, even though it's not in the EU, came into full effect in May 2018, organizations that suffer a breach involving people's personal information, their protected information, need to report that breach to authorities within 72 hours of learning about it. So it's always fascinating to see how organizations are getting breached. And for the second quarter of 2021, so from April through June, the ICO said that it received about 2,500 reports of security incidents. That's little changed from the previous quarter. Things have been pretty consistent, except for maybe the start of the COVID-19 pandemic when the quarterly number dropped to uh, 1,400, about 1,500. But, you know, beginning of the pandemic, a lot of organizations didn't necessarily know what was going on. So obviously there was a lot of confusion. But recently speaking, a lot of things have just really been staying the same. We've seen a slight increase in phishing, a very slight decrease in the number of ransomware incidents reported that resulted in a data breach. We've seen a huge increase in what is other cyber incident. Not really sure what that means. And we've seen a slight decrease in unauthorized access. So it's important to highlight that when it comes to data breaches, not all of them have a cyber component. In fact, the most common breach culprit remains the maddeningly named other non-cyber incident for which recently reports have increased by a third. Second place continues to go to protected data being inadvertently emailed to the incorrect recipient. We've all done it. Unfortunately, when it involves PII, it's a reportable event. So the only other thing that I would really highlight that I thought was really interesting was in terms of the non-cyber breach culprits, we've seen a sharp rise in the loss or theft of a device containing personal information or of paperwork being left in an unsecured location. Both of these increased by a third. I guess as people are starting to go maybe back to the office, lockdown restrictions have eased, this isn't a surprise. Really interesting findings. And obviously there continues to be a level of data breaches that are inadvertent. People send emails with personally identifiable information to the wrong people, or they leave things at bus stops. Yes. And in fact, one of the most interesting and egregious data breaches that's come to light in the UK in recent months has been a member of the public handing into the BBC a soggy set of classified British military documents that they found at a bus stop in Kent. So there's some debate over whether these documents may have been left there on purpose, you know, depends how much of a conspiracy theorist you are, I suppose. Certain members of the SNP suggested that this had the ring of a Jean Le Carré novel to it, uh, but the documents 
included details of plans to sail the British destroyer, HMS Defender, in late June through Ukrainian waters just off the coast of Crimea. This is contested territory. Russia brought its own planes and ships within close proximity to the vessel. They weren't very happy. And so there was some thought that maybe these documents had been left to show that the British response had been not only considered, but measured from a geopolitical standpoint. Or someone just goofed and left them at the bus stop on their way to work. And in fact, the documents shouldn't even have been taken out of the office. Again, they were classified. Speaking before the House of Commons, not long after this happened, Britain's defense minister, Jeremy Quinn, had said he was very sorry and that the loss of the documents traced to a senior official who had self-reported their loss and had temporarily at least lost his security clearance. So it's being reviewed. Now, these documents appeared just a day after the Secretary of State for Health and Social Care, Matt Hancock, had been caught breaking social distancing rules as he apparently was carrying on an affair with an aide. And again, this was another data breach. This was CCTV footage, which was obtained from a company called MCOR, which is a firm that manages the facilities and CCTV systems for the Department of Health. So there's been some question about how that footage was obtained. There is an investigation by the ICO, but there has been conjecture by some officials. And number 10 has said it's not investigating itself, which is interesting. But some officials have said that this person might be protected by whistleblowing regulations because they brought to light a health minister who was flouting the guidelines that he himself had put in place and required everybody else in Britain to be following. So there's been no end to the interesting data breaches in recent times. But as we said at the start, the big ones, ransomware, phishing, inadvertently emailing things to people continue to be all too common. Always more questions than answers, but thank you so much, Matt. It's been great to speak with you. Thank you very much, Anna. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Researchers have released details of a serious vulnerability in Microsoft's Exchange email server, nicknamed Proxy Token. For more on the story, here's our managing editor of security and technology, Jeremy Kirk. This year hasn't been a great one for Microsoft's Exchange server. A string of high-impact vulnerabilities have been discovered affecting the product, and yet another one was revealed in more detail this week. This one is nicknamed Proxy Token. It can allow an unauthenticated attacker access to the mailboxes of other users and potentially allow the attacker to forward email to their own account. The vulnerability affects Exchange Server 2013, 2016, and 2019. The good news is that most organizations that practice good patching are likely safe from this as Microsoft issued a patch for it in April. There was, however, some initial confusion over exactly when Microsoft patched it due to an error made by the company. Microsoft inadvertently omitted the CVE from its notes describing its April security updates. More recently this week, it implied that the bug had just been patched in July, but now all that has been cleared up. The core of the problem is an authentication error. Simon Zuckerbron of Trend Micro's Zero Day Initiative broke it down in a blog post. So Exchange Server has a couple of parts. There's the front end, which is Outlook Web Access or the Exchange Control Panel, and then a back end. Usually that front end handles authentication, but sometimes that task falls on Exchange's back end. 
Those authentication requests are passed on if an organization is using a feature called delegated authentication. Those type of authentication requests carry a security token cookie. But the problem comes when the backend does not load a module called delegated auth module. So Zuckerbron explains it like this. That means when the front end sees the security token cookie, it knows the back end alone is responsible for authenticating this request. Meanwhile, the back end is completely unaware that it needs to authenticate some incoming requests based upon the security token cookie, since the delegated auth module is not loaded in installations. The net result is that requests can sail through without being subjected to authentication on either the front or back end. The vulnerability was discovered in March by a researcher with Vietnam Post and Telecommunications Group's Information Security Center who reported it to the Zero Day Initiative. Researchers have warned that Exchange Server has a huge attack service and there may be more bugs lurking. One researcher in particular has just been on a tear. Cheng Da Sai, who is known by his Twitter handle Orange Sai, works for the Taiwanese penetration testing company DevCore. He discovered vulnerabilities in exchange that are nicknamed Proxy Shell, Proxy Oracle, and Proxy Logon. In July, the White House blamed China for indiscriminately attacking thousands of vulnerable exchange servers using the proxy logon flaws found by Orange Sai. Some of those servers had ransomware installed. There's still a third of 2021 left, so you can probably expect that there may be more vulnerabilities to come in Exchange Server, unfortunately. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. And finally, we turn now to cybercrime. Undoubtedly, online crime has a certain mystique. Blame Hollywood. We're used to seeing evil geniuses taking on the likes of Bruce Willis's cop John McClane in Die Hard 4 as they operate from elaborate command centers seeking to disrupt U.S. critical infrastructure. Critical infrastructure attacks were again on the menu for the 2012 James Bond film Skyfall, in which the baddie, Raoul Silver, played by Javier Bardem, executes a hack attack that blows up MI6's plush London headquarters. Bond, in the form of Daniel Craig, must of course save the day. As with so many things, however, the real world operates in different ways. For starters, good luck finding an evil hacker genius operating from some fantastically kitted out lair. As security expert Alan Woodward tells ISMG's Matthew Schwartz, the reality is so often much more banal. It's always quite funny when eventually they get raided. People have this idea of organised crime as being sort of mafiosi in sharp suits or sitting in plush offices. The funniest one was the Polish police video when they raided one of the guys behind, um, I can't remember which ransomware it was, and he was literally sitting there in his underpants and his flat was strewn with gold bars and 5,000 euro notes, which I didn't even know 5,000 euro notes existed. But his infrastructure was old PCs, which were basically skeleton, you know, they were motherboards, sort of balanced on old olive tins and things, olive oil tins and things like that. But at the same time, he was using a bulletproof hoster. So his IT didn't need to be that smart in the same way you and I don't have to have, everything's done in the cloud. So if you can find somebody that'll do it in the cloud, Great. Hackers in movies are often portrayed as being lone wolf figures. In reality, however, criminals often function more like contractors who procure and provide services for others. Perhaps surprisingly, however, the number of key service providers isn't vast. 
Indeed, at the Infosecurity Europe conference in London in 2015, a panel of law enforcement and cybersecurity experts estimated that just 100 to 200 individuals globally were providing the vast majority of all cybercrime services and infrastructure. Obviously, arresting even a small number of these individuals could take a big bite out of cybercrime. One of those panelists was Alan Woodward. He says the observation that there are a relatively few number of people providing essential services continues to hold, and also to be an obvious focal point for police. The law is not always quick, but it is patient. Um, And they're not daft as well. Their strategies are very much around identifying the sorts of things you're talking about. The people that if they could find them and find out who they are and get them arrested and take them out of the picture, then imagine removing half the market for data breach sales. That would be enormous. And it would also cause chaos because it would make the people harvesting the data think twice because they would think, well, where do I go now? Is there any point in me doing this at the moment? Because I don't know who to go to. It's that force multiplier effect, I think, which is is so important. But the trouble with a lot of the intelligence that we build up with these sort of things is you don't know the complete picture. You don't know the full picture, but you know enough to then start to move on it and make inroads. And what you're obviously going to go for is where do I make the biggest inroads? It all sounds rather motherhood and apple pie, but it's the standard policing techniques. It's what the police have done forever but they're just doing it online and they're just, you know, how they're tracking these criminals down in the same way. And as it happens, there are some of these Mr. Biggs and Mrs. Biggs out there that they can get to. That's it from the ISMG Security Report. The music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time. Mm-hmm.